Father, we just thank you for this night. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us through the Word of God. We thank you for speaking to us as we look up all these scriptures, as we read, read the Word on our own, Lord. And then as we hear it again, Lord, as we, as we go over it over and over again, Lord, let it get into our hearts and let it, let it continue to change us. Uh, Lord, thank you for the things that you're revealing to us. I know there's fresh things every time that uh, I, I dig into this, Lord, that you show me new things. And so I'm thankful for that. I know we're all receiving from you. And so we invite you tonight to, to minister to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start with the last day. So open your Bibles to Acts 2 and verse 16. Acts 2 and verse 16 is where we start. It's where you started if you've done the session. Uh, some of you may do them afterwards or later or whatever. Uh, Acts 2 and verse 16. And it says, says this. This is the day of Pentecost. This is uh, Jesus has gone into heaven and they have received the gift of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has been poured out and all these people are gathering. And then Peter says this uh, to say, what's going on? And he says, let me quote Joel, Joel chapter 2. Uh, no, this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. Uh, verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And so we'll stop there because uh, that tells us that something happened on the day of Pentecost. And that something is the last days started. So if someone's asked you, hey, do you think we're living in the last days? You say, yes, we are. Since the day of Pentecost, we have been living in the last days. Because that's when the last day started was in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when God poured out His Spirit. And so when we talk about the last days, most times people think about Jesus coming back. But really, the last days started with uh, Jesus' first coming when He ascended to heaven and left the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God was established. The church was established because God, you know... Wanted something to come back to. Jesus wants something to come back to when he comes back to earth. He's not just coming back for fun. He's, he's coming back for a, a mighty church. He's coming back for a bride. He's coming back uh, for his sons and daughters. Uh, and he wants as many as possible to be brought in. And so um, the key point of this section, though, is, is about readiness. Uh, in Matthew 24... Uh, it talks about when the Son of Man appears, things will be just as they were when Noah lived. How was it like when Noah lived? You know, no one knew the flood was coming. So that's how it's going to be when the Son of Man comes. When Jesus does come and the last days end, because that's when the last days end, when Jesus comes back. Uh, and Dave did talk about a little bit about that last week, uh, about the return of Jesus, and that that's not something to scare us as believers. That's something we should be excited about. Uh, that we, we should be longing for, that we're not scared that, oh no. Uh, but this scripture talks about people were eating and drinking and getting married right up to the day of the flood came and Noah went into the big boat. They didn't know anything was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. That is how it will be when the Son of Man appears. Two men will be in the same field, but only one will be taken. The other will be left. Two women will be together grinding grain. One will be taken and the other will be left. So be on your guard. 
There's the point right there. Jesus is saying, be ready. You don't know when your Lord will come. Homeowners never know when a thief is coming, and they're always on guard to keep from breaking in. Always be ready. You don't know when the Son of Man will come. And so Jesus was telling us to to guard our hearts, to have our hearts ready, that we don't want to be drawn away by the things of the world. We don't want to be drawn away by all the stuff going on around us, by the cares and desires, because we don't know uh, the hour that He's coming. And again, it's not a point of fear. I think it's a point of just readiness, a point of, uh, of stewardship. A point of, hey, I love Jesus, so I'm, I'm going to be ready to meet him. I don't want to be messing around and go, oh, gosh, I wish I, you know, I wish I wouldn't have been messing around and just wasting my life away. Uh, I want to be ready that he can come at any time. Jesus can come at any time. We know that, right? Uh, I mean, now, in this scripture, there's some things that have to happen, but it does say in the Bible that no man, and I think it means women too, no man or woman... <laughs> knows it'd be more likely that a woman would know let's be honest guys okay but no man or woman knows the day or the hour when he's going to come so it's a good reminder i mean i know recently we had some guy that was you know well i don't remember what date that was september 24th or something like that i think where jesus is supposed to come i mean i always just go well i know he's not coming because if you know then i know you don't really know and so that can't really be it (laughs) Unless you just get lucky. I mean, it's just like I can predict it every day. And then one of the days, you know, you're going to be right. If you, but that's just, that's not knowing. That's just guessing. And so uh, the Bible teaches us that, uh, you know, Jesus is coming back. And that will be the end of the last days. Um, and so as we went, we're on the unshakable kingdom is the next section. And the word teaches us that the, the righteous inherit the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness is an invitation to be like God. Paul Manwaring says that. Um, and Isaiah 13.9 tells us that the wicked will be destroyed with the earth. In other words, there is going to be, when Jesus comes, there will be, there will, will be a judgment. Um, and what's being established, though, is the kingdom. Hebrews 12 says this. Make sure that you obey the one who speaks to you. This is Hebrews 12.25. Uh, The people did not escape when they refused to obey the one who spoke to them at Mount Sinai. Do you think you can escape if you refuse to obey the one who speaks to you from heaven? When God spoke the first time, his voice shook only the earth. This time he has promised to shake the earth once again and heaven too. The words once again mean that those created things will someday be shaken and removed. Then what cannot be shaken will last. If you've ever had a God shake your life, have you ever had shakings in your life? Uh, sometimes you may think, man, I just wish this wasn't happening. But a lot of times what the Lord is doing is he's shaking things up so the things that cannot be shaken can, can, can stand and remain. Because there's things in our lives that, that need to be shaken away, that need to be, you know, that aren't going to last. And we've, you know, if we build our foundation on anything other than the rock of Jesus, I don't want that. And so sometimes the shaking, God uses the shaking in our lives so we can shake away all the other stuff that's, that's not going to remain, that, that, that isn't worth anything in, in eternity. Um, it says at the end of that scripture, we should be grateful that we were given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And in this kingdom, we please God by worshiping Him and by showing Him honor and respect. Our God is like a consuming fire. And so... The kingdom will not be shaken. So there's an unshakable kingdom that we are a part of. 
But there are things that will get shaken up that don't belong in the kingdom. So anything in my life that doesn't belong in the kingdom of God could be shaken away. And so God's warning is to those who trust Him to be alert, prepared, and focused on the coming King. And in Jesus Himself talks about somebody in the Bible that we need to avoid being like. And who is that? Did you remember doing it in your lesson? Well, that, that's true as, as well. But it's, it's Lot. It's the story of Lot and Lot's wife. And so, um, you know, the story of Lot is, is just like the coming of Jesus or like Noah. It was an instantaneous thing. There was no like, hey, we got two weeks to get ready for this. And so we're going to get ready. I mean, it doesn't matter for me. I still pack the night before, you know. <laughs> you know, if you're going on a mission trip... And you ask me, have you packed yet? Uh, if it's not the night before, the answer is no. <laughs> so, you know, but this is lots with Lot and his family. There's no time to get ready. It was like the angels came in and said, you have to go now. We're going to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. That was, that, was that, that, that account. And so he said, let's go right now. And they like, they're dragging Lot out. I mean, they're like, oh, buddy, come on. You know, we're going to even help you. You're, you're not even believing us. And so what does it say that, you know, Lot's wife, she... Look back, right? And so I want to be the the example there. Jesus is saying is say, look, I don't want to turn my heart back to anything else that God is is leaving behind. That's going to be destroyed. That's worthless. It's not going to last for eternity. It's it's going to be shaken off in the unshakable kingdom. And so it's the encouragement to us. Hey, I want to be about the king's business. If I'm in the kingdom and I'm living in the last days... Let's pretend like we're living in the last days. Actually, we don't have to pretend. We are. So let's, let's live like this is the last days. And so if this is your last days, which all of us are really on our last days, right? I mean, some of us are a little bit closer than others. We don't know who that is in the room. We can take guesses, but we really don't know. We really don't. You know, we can... I'm not going to pick the oldest person in the room, but I know who, who the oldest person in the room is. And... Uh, but we're not guaranteed they may outlive me. I don't know that. It's a possibility because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. And so I need to be ready. That's the point as Jesus was saying all these parables was be dressed and ready. I'm going to be ready because I am in the last days. Um, there will be signs. The signs of his coming. The next section is there. Uh, there will be signs, Jesus said, in Matthew 24 of Jesus coming though. And so we can... We can recognize that his time is getting closer. It doesn't mean we know the exact time. We can just recognize, hey, this stuff is going on. Uh, yes? <laughs> Number 22, huh? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I did see that one. Uh, I, did, I did write that down. Let me give that to you. That is John. It's supposed to be John seventeen fifteen. Okay? So I did... I Thank you for catching that. I did write that down. So that's number 22 on that first lesson. Um, it says Yochanan. <laughs> I, love, I saw that too. It was like... Um, I, that's not a... <laughs> it's Hebrew, right? It's, it's not quite Hebrew either. It does sound like it. So it might be tongues. I don't know if the guy was writing in tongues or something or what, but... Yeah, it's John seventeen fifteen. 
Uh, there was another one too that was just the wrong verse. In number five, it's Luke thirteen thirty-five. Number five on this section, if you turn back one page, uh, Luke thirteen. There's no there's no Luke thirteen thirty-seven. So it's uh, verse thirty-five. If you're looking for the answer, the answers are in the back. If you like to do that, some of you may not. Uh, but this answer wasn't in the back. So <clears throat> if you didn't know, the answers are in the back, by the way. Just, how come you didn't tell me earlier? <laughs> Somebody else had to tell me. I would have never looked. <clears throat> so the signs of Jesus coming. Um, Jesus had a bunch of signs. He said, the disciples said in Matthew 24, when will this happen? Um, this is Matthew 24. Um, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the world? Jesus answered, don't let anyone fool you. Many will come and claim to be me. Is that interesting? There's always going to be someone saying, hey, I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one, you know, they will say that they are the Messiah and they will fool many people. You will, soon, you will soon hear about wars and threats of wars, but don't be afraid. These things will have to happen first, but that isn't the end. Nations and kingdoms will go to war against each other. People will starve to death, and in some places there will be earthquakes. But this is just the beginning of troubles. You will be arrested, punished, and even killed. Because of me, you'll be hated by people of all nations. Many will give up and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will come and fool a lot of people. Evil will spread and cause many people to stop loving others. But if you keep on being faithful right to the end, you will be saved. So there's, the, there's Jesus' focus again, is faithfulness, readiness, preparation. When the good news, this is also a great clue, when the good news about the kingdom has been preached all over the world and told to all nations, the end will come. So those are all the signs that Jesus' return is getting closer. We've seen a lot of those things. Many, if not, of those things have already occurred over, you know, even since, you know, 2,000 years ago. And so... Um, the one that hasn't been completed, that they don't go in the study, I mean, they mention it, but the one that hasn't been completed is the gospel of the kingdom going to every nation. And so, to me, that's one of the key things. We want Jesus to come back sooner, uh, so to speak. I mean, I know he's not going to really come back sooner because he's going to know that we're going to be doing stuff that we get moved to do even tonight. But if we want to hasten his return, so to speak... Uh, we want to get the gospel out to all the nations. Um, man, when anybody got a hold of God's heart, they had a heart for missions. And so we, you always have to, you know, if you're connected to God's heart in the last days, his heart is, is for missions and for unreached peoples. And so I love having uh, Blake here, you know, going to an unreached people. I mean, it's so awesome that we got to meet someone that's actually going there. Most of us may never actually set foot in those places, but... We can pray. Praise God. <laughs> You're, you never know, Edie, though. <laughs> In the last days. No. <laughs> he'll, do, he'll pour out his spirit. Um, so, but that's one of the ones that hasn't been fulfilled yet. And so Jesus wants the good news to get spread out to the rest of the kingdom. Uh, but what does it also say? that um, In Acts 3.21 it says... For that Jesus must remain in heaven until the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. So there's a lot of stuff that had been prophesied that God wants to happen. And I know in this uh, scripture it begins to talk about like the salvation of Israel is the next section. 
you know, that there's going to be a big, you know, according to Scripture, there's going to be a, a huge returning of the Jews to God, and they're going to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. I love the way they brought it out by going to Zechariah and say, you know, when, when, when the Spirit is poured out, and they'll recognize the one they have pierced. In other words, there's going to be a recognition of Jesus as the pierced, you know, Messiah, the, the Son of God. And there's going to be, you know, it says in Romans 11 that, you know, all Israel will be saved. And so it says that in the Word. So there's going to be, there's going to be something that happens. So that's one of the things... What's Jesus waiting for? He's waiting for the gospel of the kingdom to be preached. He's waiting for uh, Israel to return and to recognize the Messiah. Uh, there's going to be restoration of the church. You know, I, you know, I believe, and so does many others, that there's going to be a, a great move of God, uh, at least one more before Jesus comes back, that's going to sweep a bunch of people into the kingdom of God. Because that's, that's the whole point is Jesus wants, he wants a full house. He wants a, he wants a huge house. He says, hey, go out into the streets. Go out everywhere. Bring them in. Let my house be full. And so that's, you know, why is Jesus not coming back? Well, he wants that to happen still. And so those are some of the things. Um, I love the picture they brought out there too in the section under salvation of Israel. Talking about Isaiah 60, arise and shine for your light has come. And it talks about the Gentiles and the Jews. So there's going to be a, there's going to be a movement where both people who aren't Jews and Jews are just displaying Jesus to the world. And they're arising and shining and, and we're going to recognize it. And so um, that's something that needs to happen before Jesus comes back. That's section one. We did that one pretty quick. That's not just because there's something else going on right now. I promise you. <clears throat> Where is where's Jeremiah? <laughs> he's he's blessed. He's taking care of it for me. So, the advancing kingdom <clears throat> is the next section. This this part was so awesome. I love this section. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna spend some time in this. Um, Christ's victory in the nations. From the creation of the earth in Genesis, God's plan of victory and dominion was made known to man. What does it say in Genesis 1 and 26? What is the command God gives uh, to, to the human race? You want to look at it? We should look that up. Let's look up Genesis 1 26 because this is kind of the foundation here. One twenty six says, then, then God said, let us make man in our image. Notice the us and the our, if you want to see some proof of the Trinity. Who's God talking to? The Father is talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them... So he's not talking about men, he's talking about humans, okay? Let them... Rule or have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that cover the ground. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every creature that, that moves along the sea. So at the very beginning, an assignment was given to the human race and it was to take dominion of the earth to rule the earth and so that was that's our our rightful place in creation and uh, dave did mention this last week you know that that's that's what we were created to do and see what happened was uh there there was a transfer 
there was a transfer of the power and authority that was on earth from us to someone else. When man sinned, who was that transferred over towards? It was given over to the devil. The devil was already on the earth. He, had, he, you know, he was already doing stuff on the earth. He was, he was kicked out of heaven. Um, but he wasn't in charge. You know, there's scriptures in, in the New Testament that talk about the, the ruler of this world. And when they mention that, it's talking, about, it's talking about Satan himself. Now, most of those scriptures are talking about how he's been overthrown, the ruler of this world. But in other words, before Jesus came, Satan was the ruler of this world because the rightful rulers gave over our authority to him because we had the authority. And God, that's why Jesus had to become a man because only a man could come and take back what was rightfully his from the devil. God couldn't just do it. Hey, I'm God. I'm going to do what I want. So get off me, devil. You know, I mean, we wish God would just sometimes do those things. But God works in, a, you know, in order and with authority and with, with structure. And so God's order for this world was human beings were put in charge. And so that's why one of the reasons he became a human being is like, hey, I'm going to become like them. I'm going to live a sinless life. I'm going to die in their place. And then I'm going to go to hell because that's what happens when you die and you have sin on you. And it says all the sin of the world went on Jesus. And so then he went to hell. But because he didn't belong there because he was sinless, he just carried the sin. He didn't have sin in his heart. He was able to say, let me take the keys of death and hell from you, devil, because you're not in charge of this world anymore. And so Satan was, was judged. You know, in, in some ways he was, you know, it says here, you know, that our, our big brother, Jesus. I mean, that's who he is in the family of God. He's our elder brother, our older brother. He says, I'm not going to stand for that. And it says in John 12, uh, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And he says, so in other words, he's proclaiming judgment on Satan. And if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men to myself. In other words, he's talking about, hey, when's this going to happen? It's going to happen at the cross. When I am lifted up and I raise my hands on the cross and I will draw all people to myself, that's when the judgment of this world and the, and the judgment of Satan happens. So heaven's victory was accomplished and declared through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And so there was then, once again, a transfer of power and authority. Jesus was the king. He didn't keep that authority for himself, though. What did he do? When he left the earth, he actually, even before he left, he gave some power and authority to his disciples. But when he left the earth, he gave a commission. Dave talked about that last week, the Great Commission. But with the Great Commission was him declaring, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And the, and the connotation and the, and the meaning of that is, I'm sending you with that authority. So in other words, we were put back in our rightful place of authority in this world. And now because it's a fallen world, we have an assignment to bring the fallen world under the rulership of the kingdom of God, of the king of kings, of the Lord of lords. I mean, that's the purpose. Um, Jesus said in Luke 10, I saw... Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. I've given you power to trample on snakes and scorpions and to defeat, to defeat the power of your enemy, Satan. Nothing can harm you. So there was, a, there was a transfer of that authority. We're now given dominion and authority just as in the beginning. 
And only one thing will keep us powerless, and that's unbelief. That's the only thing that keeps a child of God, a son or daughter of the king, powerless, is unbelief. Because we have the power and we have the authority. And so, Jesus said, therefore, go. And so, our assignment is, you know, this whole section, really, if you break it down, is talking about, you know, the, the advancing kingdom of God. How does the kingdom advance with the king's sons and daughters? When we carry out the works of Jesus, what does it say? When, when Jesus came, he said he came to destroy the works of the devil. So in order for there to be something built, there has to be something first destroyed. So our assignment is to destroy the works of the devil and to see the build, building of the kingdom of God. How is the kingdom of God built? Bringing other sons and daughters in, proclaiming the gospel message, letting people know the good news that Jesus has made a way for us to be right with God. He has made a way for us to be forgiven of sin. He has made a way for us to be free from any kind of bondage, any kind of, any kind of uh, sickness, any kind of, uh, any kind of thing that would keep us from God has, has, been, has been removed. And so we're now living in that kingdom. And there's been a transfer of that power and authority. The next section is unfulfilled prophecy. And so it brings us back again that there's still some things that haven't happened uh, that are needing to be happened um, that have been prophesied. It goes into several of the Psalms um, and talks about the kingdom. I want to read one. uh, I'm not going to read all these. Um, I'm trusting you're reading reading the sections too uh, there. But in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, this is like a, you know, the Christmas scripture. But it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Now, what is, what is a, a government also like in, in some ways? I mean, we're, we're so used to thinking U.S. government that we don't think this way. But what's he talking about there? He's talking about kingdom. The kingdom governance of God. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And get this, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I mean, we have, again, we read that scripture and in our minds, uh, especially if most of us, I believe, are probably lean towards the conservative side. We, don't, we think, we hear the word increase of government and we go, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Right? You know? No, I don't, I don't want... I want the government to decrease. <laughs> and so... But we got we to gotta get the, that, that language out of our head. Because it's not, it's not talking about having a big, ungodly government that wastes things. It's talking about a perfect, holy, righteous government that we want to increase. Because there is one government we want to get huge. And that's the government of God. That's the government of Jesus, the King of Kings. That's when big government is good. <laughs> and I'm not here to try to convince anybody of the political positions. If you like big government, it doesn't really matter to me that much, honestly. But I want Jesus' government to be big. In other words, he's talking about the kingdom. The increase of his government will be no end. And so the kingdom of God is going to be increasing. Did you know right now? That's happening all over the world. I mean, we don't see it in our country as much. And so we sometimes get this view. Um, 
And I've said, I know I've preached on this before, but there's, there's only 350 million people in the United States of America. That is a very small percentage compared to the almost 7 billion, I believe now, that are in the world. So like, we're a, in terms of numbers, we're a tiny picture of the population of the earth. And sometimes we judge all of what God is doing by just what we see around us in our nation. And it's like, hey, that's just a small percentage. I mean, it's a large nation. I'm not saying we're not a big nation. It's a large nation. But compared to the population of the earth, it's, it's still very small. And there's places where God is doing such amazing things. God is moving in China. There, there are millions and millions and millions and millions of believers in China. People are coming to Jesus in the Muslim and the Middle East world, Middle Eastern world. Um, it, you hear stories all over the place where Muslims are just coming, coming to Jesus Christ. They're having revelations. They're having dreams. There's miracles happening. So the kingdom right now is increasing. It, you know, God is actually winning on the earth. And so we need to be reminded of that, that we're on a victorious team. And so uh, the next section, it talks about there the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And it goes to the, the prophecy in Daniel 2. Uh, I encourage you to uh, you know, check into that section there. Uh, I'm not going to read all of that tonight. Where it says, you know, it talks about the kingdoms of this world and there's, there's prophecy. Uh, there's a really great part. It talks about um, the exact date when Jesus rode into Jerusalem was 483 years after Daniel made the prophecy. And that lines up exactly with the numbers that Daniel was saying. Weeks, which are symbolic. Uh, you know, days, weeks, and, and years is all symbolic for a certain time period. And when you calculate it out, it's 483 years. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem uh, on the donkey on the day of whatever that day is, the triumphal entry, uh, you know, the week before he was killed. And so, uh, I mean, to me, right there, that's just, just an amazing thing right there. God's pro- prophecy, God's prophetic words, they're, they're very accurate. And so, to me, that was like, like an encouragement right there. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember, I've heard that. I just haven't thought about it for a long time. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome that, um, you know, that the prophecies that were given to Daniel. And, I mean, Daniel had some crazy vision. He was seeing things in the future. He knew it wasn't for right then. Some of them were for then. Some of them were for the future. And so there was a prophecy about all these kingdoms. And then, you know, the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, um, the Empire of Babylon at the time, you know, the pictures of the statues were all symbolic of that. But then there was going to be the last kingdom is going to come. It's going to destroy it all. And it's, it's, it will be a kingdom that never ends. Now, it's not an earthly kingdom. That was the only thing that Daniel didn't understand was it, was, it wasn't an earthly kingdom. It was, it was a kingdom of God, a kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus came as the fulfillment of Daniel's promise to destroy all the other kingdoms, the works of the enemy, the, the kingdom of, uh, of this world, which was built by uh, the devil himself. And so uh, Matthew chapter 16, there's another great section in here that I had never heard before in my life. I'll be honest with you, I'd never heard that before. But Matthew 16, that's the part where um, Peter, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, uh, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And so he makes a declaration of who Jesus is. This is in Matthew 16, uh, verses, I think, 15 to 20 or 21. And... 
So he says, hey, Peter, you didn't get that from, from earth or flesh and blood. You got that from heaven. And so, and I tell you, Peter, that I tell you, Simon, first his name was Simon. He, he changed his name to Peter. I tell you that you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell, depending on which Bible translation you read, shall, shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I mean, you've got to notice that right there. I mean, Jesus is talking kingdom language all the time. Read through the Gospels and look how much Jesus is talking kingdom, 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 kingdom. Think about the Lord's Prayer, and we get to that later. You know, how does the Lord's Prayer start? Hey, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the increase of God's government. That's the, the purpose of the advancing kingdom. I'm getting ahead of myself. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so, I don't know, if you, it's on page 173, I really encourage you. This section here talks about the place where they were. They were in Caesarea Philippi, um, and they were actually, there was a place there that was this huge rock area where there was all this demonic worship they think like they used to do the Baal worship there and the sacrificing of the children and all kinds of crazy stuff and then they had the greek and the roman gods and they had some of them carved into the places there so this was like a a a total demonic worship site i mean that's exactly what it was and so and i did double check this i looked it up on a different source to say like i've never i don't ever remember hearing this i'm like i must have not been paying attention in bible college or something cuz <laughs> cuz i was like this is so awesome um, not the part that it's bad but that jesus you know so and they called it the gates of hell or the gates of hades and so the, the thought was like hey this is like the doorway to the underworld you know and so there was you know what was it really well now, there was a lot of bad stuff that happened there. There was a lot of activity of spirits probably. But, you know, that was just what was going on. That's what had happened there. And it's interesting to me that Jesus declares the victory of the church and the kingdom on that spot. I just love that part. And so, you know, on this rock. So in some ways, on the rock, not just of the revelation, but on the rock of, hey, I'm going to destroy everything else that's in this world. And my kingdom's going to be established. And so to me, that was so awesome uh, that the gates of hell will not prevail. And they're standing in a place that was called the gates of hell. So the disciples, they may have had a, a little bit better idea of what Jesus was saying. Or maybe later on they caught on to it because sometimes they didn't get it right away, just like us, right? And so, uh, man, what an amazing declaration that Jesus made that the gates of hell should not prevail against it. In other words, he's declaring nothing that the enemy does, nothing that goes on is going to prevail against the kingdom of God, against the church of God that I'm establishing on the earth. And so, huge declaration there by Jesus. And so, next what happens, of course, well, not, not right away after this, but the next section here is we talk about the, the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Jesus ascends into heaven. And so... There's the picture there you got, if, you, if you've done the homework, um, that he ascends to heaven. And there's the picture in Daniel chapter 7 where the Son of Man, whenever you see the Son of Man in Daniel, that's Jesus. You know, he's called the Son of Man or one like a Son of Man. Uh, you know, there's all through the prophetic books. They didn't know how to describe what they were seeing. They're just seeing visions. You know, Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel, they, they had all these visions. They had these supernatural revelations. 
which is kind of interesting when the church at some point said, we don't have the supernatural stuff happening anymore. It's like, man, it's been going on forever. Why did God suddenly stop? So that was free. (laughs) He didn't stop. So there's all this stuff happening. They're just like, there's one like a son of man. I mean, they don't even know what they're seeing. I'm just, they're just seeing pictures of heaven. And one of them is the picture of Jesus, you know, ascending in the clouds you know and so there was something about the kingdom being released on the earth when jesus is ascends to heaven it says he receives the kingdom in daniel seven fourteen, uh that jesus receives the kingdom dominion and glory and a kingdom why was the kingdom given to jesus that all peoples and language and, and nations should serve him and it's going to be an everlasting kingdom that's that's not going to be destroyed and so um we get to be a part of that kingdom. We're joint heirs of the kingdom. We're, we're, we're representatives of that kingdom. Uh, you know, it's, it's a powerful kingdom. It's, it's an awesome thing to be. And so um, I wanna, I'm glad I'm on the winning team. Okay? I, I'm glad I am on the winning team. doesn't matter what happens tonight in the World Series. I'm still on the winning team. <laughs> So there's a much greater team to be a part of that I am thankful for no matter what. And I want to see the kingdom advance. And we get to be the ones who get to see uh, the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of our Lord in Christ. Uh, What does it say, um, you know, in Revelation, there's going to be a final trumpet. The last trumpet is going to sound, the seventh trumpet. And it says... And there were loud voices in heaven. This is Revelation 11, 15 through 17. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. And so I love, I really love the aspect of the focus of these sections that has focused not on trying to figure out the logistics of Jesus' return. You know, like... Is there this? Is there that? Is, is there a rapture? Is there not a rapture? Is it the first, pre, pid, post? All that different stuff that people can argue about. We all have our opinions. If you want to argue with me later, it's not tonight, but some other night, I'd love to chat with you about that for hours into the night. Tomorrow night, I'll do it. But uh, <laughs> come over to my house and we can chat about it. Um, and so, but, you know, it didn't get in all that, but it fo- here's the main focus. The main focus is be ready and we're a part of the kingdom that we're advancing. That we're being a part of the advance of the kingdom of God. And the goal is to get the whole world to worship Jesus. And so that to me is an incredible thing to be a part of. And you'll notice here, in if you haven't done your lesson, between pages 175 and 184, it just talks about the history of the world from Jesus, from the, from the apostles' time uh, and some key events all the way to our time now. One of the ones mentioned, interestingly enough, yesterday was the 500th anniversary when Martin Luther um, nailed the, the, the theses to the, to, the wall, to the Wittenberg door in Germany of the Catholic Church of all the things. Is it 95 or 97? I'm forgetting right now. So whichever number it is, uh, we can delete that in the recording later. I'll put in the right number. <laughs> Photoshop. Um, you know, but 500 years ago, that was a huge breakthrough spiritually in the world. And it really, 
I encourage you, read this section. If you don't do anything else, please just read this section where it talks about the history of our world and how the world has changed for good because of the kingdom of God. And you'll see that all the good things that happen, anything that happens in our world that sets someone free, I mean, it talks about, you know, women being lifted to their rightful place, you know, that they weren't put down anymore, getting rights. I mean, it's unimaginable for me that we wouldn't think that way. But in our country, just a couple generations ago, women couldn't even vote. I mean, it's, it's, you know, think of, and, and that's in the 1900s. There was thousands of years where... There was, there was stuff going on that was women were not in the right place. But it's, it's the truth of the kingdom. It's people who get a hold of, you know, hey, look, there shouldn't be any slavery. Look, we're all, we're all created in the image of God. Where someone gets a hold of the principle of the kingdom that says, no, we're all valuable. Jesus died for every single one of us. And so that led to the release of, you know, slavery. You know, William Wilberforce was one that, if you've never watched the movie Amazing Grace, I really recommend it. It's just a great movie. It tells the story of William Wilberforce battling the slave trade in England. And this guy was a, it was, it was a mission from God. I mean, he was, a, he was a lover of Jesus. He was an awesome man of God. But he devoted his whole life. And near the end of his life, finally there was a breakthrough where the, and the, you know, it didn't come about how they thought it would happen, but it happened, you know, economically and politically and all this different stuff, but he was pushing for it. He was praying for it, and there was a release of, you know, that slavery, the slave trade was broken uh, in England because of one guy operating in the kingdom of God. And so, man, what can one person do? Martin Luther changed history. He didn't know he was changing history. He didn't know he was Martin Luther. I mean, he knew he was Martin Luther, <laughs> but he, I mean, he didn't know 500 years from now, you know, I was the president of Foursquare, Glenn Burris, they were all with a gathering and with leaders all over the world. They're at the place, like they're at, they're, you know, he's taking a picture at the Wittenberg door, uh, you know, yesterday celebrating. They're all gathered together thanking the Lord and worshiping Him for that breakthrough that the just shall live by faith, that the, everybody can read the Bible, things we just take for granted. But there had to be a spiritual breakthrough for someone to get a hold of the kingdom principle where they're saying, hey, this is, this is not right. This is not how the kingdom looks. And so my job and your job is to have my, our eyes open to where we see things where we say, that's not the kingdom. And say, God, what am I supposed to do about that? Am I supposed to nail something to a door? Well, go do it. Probably not, but you never know. It could work again. You know, but, you know, I just, there's so many things that God is at work. And so we're a part of an advancing, victorious, overwhelmingly good kingdom. So, the sons of God. So we're the children of God, the sons of God. Romans 8 and 19 says, All creation is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. And so, even our earth is waiting for us to become who we're called to be. You know, how are the the children of God revealed? It's when we live out the kingdom. It's when we live out who Jesus is, when we live out and destroy the works of the devil, when we set it free, the the captives. Uh, Who are the sons of God? Romans 8.14 says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are are the sons of God. In Luke 4, Jesus 
pointed out a bunch of things that are the works of the kingdom, really. What are they? What are they? Preach the good news to the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Proclaim sight to the blind. Set free those who are oppressed. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, what did Jesus say right before he said all those things? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do all those things. Same thing happens for us. You know, we've already talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, several weeks ago. But it's a good reminder that the Holy Spirit was given to empower us to hear, receive, and release heaven's authority and glory upon the earth. That's, that's the goal of the Holy Spirit right there. Is so we've we got to be able to hear. I've got to be able to know. I've got to be able to receive from Him. I need a, I need a revelation. I need, I need something to come into my mind that's not from me. I need help. Turn to somebody else and say, I need help. I need, you know, you're like, I knew that. <laughs> you're like, I'm sitting next to my spouse. I know it. Right? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we all need help. And so the Holy Spirit is called, one of the things he's called is the one who's the helper. He's the one who comes alongside of us. But he's the one who anoints us. He's the one who gives us uh, the, the power and the, the recognition of the kingdom. He's the one, he's like the kingdom awareness one. He's the one that opens our eyes and says, kingdom, 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 you know, kingdom of God, hello. Because <laughs> he, he's, he's all about the king's business. The Holy Spirit, he is totally focused on the king. He is totally submitted to the Father and saying, I'm, I want to establish the Father and the kingdom that's been given to Jesus that's rightfully his as the reigning king of kings and lord of lords on earth, as the God-man, as the man who is 100% God and 100% man. Have you ever thought about that, that Jesus forever has a body? That God forever changed himself. I don't even understand how that could happen. But he did it. Jesus didn't have a body before he became a human being. But now he's in a glorified body forever. He's forever identified with us. He's forever connected with us. That's some love. Laying down who he was to become like us. And so, uh, one eight, uh, page 186, I want to read this part. Uh, if you have your book there, this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the bottom section. It says, for the early Christians, listen to this, for the early Christians, the Protestant reformers, the pilgrims and the Puritans, and the Christians of America's first two centuries, the goal was clear. Christianity meant the victory of Jesus and his teaching of love, forgiveness, and the deliverance from sin that actually transforms the behavior of people. It was not a victory that somehow would suddenly take place in the last chapter of the Bible where, we all, where all we have to do is peek at it and learn that Jesus won. It was not an optimistic, everything will work out somehow idea. The saints of old saw history as his story, as a spiritual struggle between light and darkness, truth and error, good and evil. And at the end of the conflict, they believed that truth no matter how persecuted, would come out victorious. I want to just read that because that's just so so powerful and so true that Jesus isn't coming back for like this shrinking thing that's like, oh, we're barely alive. Oh, 
Jesus comes back. Thank you, Lord. We were about to get killed and, and disappear from the earth. No. No, that's not, what's ha- that's not what's happening either. The church is not shrinking. The church is growing. The kingdom of God is growing. There's more people becoming Christians every day. There will be more people become Christians this year than in hundreds of years in the past. I can't remember the right statistic. There's one statistic that talks about a time period where, I don't know if it's the last 10 years or something, there's been more people come to Christ in the last 10 years than in the 2,000 years before. Whoa. (laughs) So, you know, the Muslims are not winning, the devil's not winning, whoever we think is is out there i mean is the devil still at work sure are there still people joining his kingdom and well they don't have to join they're born into it so uh they're staying with it some of them yes is every single person going to be saved no jesus said you know some will choose not to be saved but we are a part of a victorious advancing kingdom and sometimes it's good to be reminded i know i was encouraged by just going through the section to be reminded hey i'm a i'm a part of the advancing kingdom and it's like when you're, when you're a winner, you know, it's, it's easier to just keep on winning. Um, you know, the team that has momentum in the game, just, you know, it's, they just, it's like it's contagious. Winning is contagious. And so that's why we got to share our victory stories. That's why our testimonies are so important. When we hear, hey, oh, Wes got healed, we're like, oh, man, let me pray for somebody else. I know it wasn't just me that prayed for him, but I prayed for him. <laughs> You know, we, lots of us got to pray for him. Lots of other people did. We're all energized. Hey, I'm pray, praying with more faith for the next person because that's the kingdom is advancing. You know, he, he's coming back. And I want, I want to prepare a great, great reward for the king to come back to. And so ultimately, you know, Jesus Christ is going to be triumphant. Christ's ultimate triumph. Well, there, there will be a time where... at. When the last days are done, as we said before, he's coming back victorious. Revelation 19. I want to read this scripture and one more thing and we'll be done. I might finish before 8. Surprise, surprise. Revelation 19 says, Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And And with righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns or many diadems. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth comes a sharp sword that with it he will strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. When Jesus comes back, he's not coming back as a baby. He's coming back as a victorious king. I love that scripture. I just finished reading Revelation, uh, through Revelation with Evan. We, we've done all the narrative parts of the Bible in the last whatever time I've read them to him at night. It's just so awesome. Uh, there's plenty of parts we skip 
prophets and stuff we skip, but the narrative portion of the Bible. You know, I'm like, what do you want to read next? I said, the only other part of that's kind of narrative is Revelation. He's like, yeah, let's read Revelation. And then when you start reading Revelation, he's like, this is awesome. <laughs> I mean, when you're an eight-year-old boy and you got like, you know, there's... Horses coming out with all kinds of crazy stuff, angels, and heaven opens, and there's battles, and you know, and then we get to this, and he's like, I'm gonna, you know, there's hornet, you know, there's the huge grasshoppers and things. He's drawn things on, uh, let me draw Revelation and stuff. But man, there's such a, but the great picture of Revelation is this, is that Jesus is victorious. I mean, I love the book of Revelation, not because I want to get into all the details and figure out what does the fourth trumpet mean? Has that happened or has it not happened? And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but we can get off track. The main point of Revelation is there's a huge worship of Jesus and he's coming back as a victorious king. And then everything's going to be made right. Because, you know, it talks about the wrath of God. Man, God, God is upset. Yeah, the brokenness and the sin and all the stuff. And so he, he's gonna, he wants to get rid of all that. You know, it's for our good. It's, it's, it's like what good person would not want to get rid of the junk in our world? And anybody who refuses to let go of that junk, he has to say, look, you have to get out. I, I, I have to get rid of you. I have to remove you from this place. If you're going to hold on to that, you know, it says in Revelation, you know, that there's going to be some people that they just refuse, even though all this stuff is happening. And whether we're, we're going to be able to know, oh, this looks like the fourth angel. Look, we're probably not going to recognize all that stuff. It's just going to be things happening in our world that we're not going to, we may not line up right away, but we're going to recognize, hey, these are some things that are happening where Jesus' return is getting closer. Um, but, you know, ultimately it's like he's going to come back just like this on a white horse. And it's, that's an awesome promise uh, that he's coming back as the King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to read this on, on 187. Uh, it says, This time the warrior who sits upon the white horse is crowned not with one crown, but with many diadems, signifying that he has conquered many nations. The mighty warrior is identified as the Word of God, Jesus Christ, and all the armies that are in heaven are following him. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, and with it he smites the nations. He's also given the name the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thus the message seems to be clear. The all-powerful Word of God will, inevi- will inevitably, as history progresses, conquer every nation, and Jesus will be Lord of all. So that's, that's the ultimate end of what's happening, is the increase of his government, his kingdom, that will be without end. And look, it says this, It is the empowering, anointing, and filling of the Holy Spirit that will give us the ability to be witnesses for Him. And not only that, through the power of His Holy Spirit, Jesus will work with us, sending great outpourings of the Spirit and spiritual awakenings as the Word of God is faithfully preached until the earth is full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. Wrongs will be righted and good will conquer evil. So it has been in the history of the church and the nations of the world. And so it will continue to be until the end of time. As a result, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ will fill the earth. And the kingdom of God will be established on earth in the hearts of people just as it is in heaven. And this will be a fulfillment of the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
or our trespasses or our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What does it say at the end? For thine, that means yours for all us young people, for yours or thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Just that prayer right there is a huge declaration of God's purpose in the kingdom. And so, man, I was, I'm, I was stirred up with that, Ronnie. Right there, that, that gets you stirred up, right? And so we get, to, we get to go practice living out the kingdom of God in this world and be on the winning team and proclaim His goodness and love to every single creature on earth. So that's, it's an awesome thing. To me, it, it makes last week's teaching on the Great Commission even bigger. It gives you a broader picture of what God is after. Amen? Hey, let's pray. Father, right now, we, we just thank you, Lord, and we, we choose to believe right now that our hearts are, are stirred, and we believe that you have given us an anointing from the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you right now. I'm, I'm declaring right now, Lord, that we are about your business. We are about your kingdom business. We are going to be ready for you when you come back. We're going to be working and doing what the sons and daughters of the king are, are supposed to be doing on this earth, Lord. And it is on the mission that you've given us to proclaim your goodness, to proclaim the truth of God, to proclaim salvation in Jesus Christ, to proclaim healing and deliverance to the captives in Jesus Christ, to proclaim sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, Lord. And we thank you for that, God. We, we praise you, Lord. I, we just pray for you to give us eyes to see, Lord, that it doesn't have to be something that we think is huge. Anything that advances your kingdom is huge. And so we choose to believe that we're going to see miracles, we're going to see, we're going to see breakthroughs, Lord, we're going, to, we're going to see people healed and saved and delivered just because we're living our lives in obedience to you. God, help us know that we're a part of the winning team. Thank you for encouraging us from, from your word tonight and let it go deep into our heart. Lord, help us pray this prayer, Lord, that we can pray with more understanding that we want it to happen on earth as it is in heaven. And so we thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.